podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Good boys and girls, two-footed podcast on Friday, January 21st, brought to you by EPLindex.com and our presenting sponsor, Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield is a VPN provider, a virtual privacy network allows you to go online, change your location, access things you're geo-blocked from, while also keeping your data safe. Check out LibertyShield.com, use the code EPL599 and get your first month for one quid. $6.99 thereafter, but no contract, no long-term Commitment, instant download to your devices. Liberty Shield is the number one rated VPN provider on Trustpilot. They will keep your data safe for you. You can get your first month for one quid, EPL599 at libertyshield.com. Get using straight away. We're also brought to you by Home of Hopcroft, a giftware and homeware company located in Scotland, but shipping worldwide. Check out homeofhopcroft.co.uk. And finally, do check out the EPL Index and Anfield Index shops, which you can find on Etsy. Right, folks, it is a good day. It is a good day because the cheaters that are Arsenal Football Club, who lied about injuries at the weekend to avoid having to play Spurs, were defeated last night in the League Cup semi-final second leg by Liverpool 2-0 at the Emirates. Arsenal playing basically a full-strength eleven. The only change you would make for them to have their best 11 on the pitch would be Thomas Partey in for Lekonga. Partey was on the bench having been rushed back from AFCON largely to play against Burnley at the weekend. Came off the bench and got himself sent off and now he'll miss that game which is just marvellous. Liverpool started slow and Arsenal attacked and Arsenal looked good for 15 minutes and then it was all one-way traffic. Then it was all Liverpool. Two goals from Diogo Jota, one of them making Aaron Ramsdale look like the pudding I've said he always is. The second, just a brilliant ball from Trent. Great control, makes Ben White look like the fool he is. Ben White can't defend, and it's about time we all just admit that. He's a very good ball player. He's not a central defender. He's a holding midfielder, if anything. Move him in there and forget this nonsense of him being a centre-back. He's not good enough in that area. He will cause you problems constantly. He is... Awful on both Liverpool goals. Absolutely awful on both Liverpool goals. Jota scores the first. Jota scores the second. Kate Gordon missed a great chance. Kanate hit the post. Liverpool should have wiped the floor with them. Absolutely wiped the floor with them. But 2-0, we'll take Arteta and his Lego hair very much in the mud. It's a beautiful thing to see. Cheaters never prosper. And for the Arsenal fans who spent yesterday stalking Kenny Dalglish's daughter on LinkedIn, only to then find out that her LinkedIn is out of date, I am collecting your tears. That's what I'm doing. I have built a lake in the field behind my house. I have built a lake and I have filled it with your tears. I want you all to know that. 
Uh, bias aside, that's the end of that. Let's move on. Uh, AFCON. The round of 16 is set. Burkina Faso will face Gabon. Nigeria will face Tunisia. The winners of those two games will play each other. Senegal will face Cape Verde. Mali will play Equatorial Guinea. The winners of those two games will play each other. Guinea will play Gambia. Cameroon will play Comoros. And again, the winner of those two games will play each other. Ivory Coast will play Egypt. That, for me, is the game of the round. Morocco will play Malawi. And again, the winner of those two. The bottom half of the draw, to me, looks tougher than the top half. And I'm going to pick these games with very little knowledge of much, other than the games I've watched, which hasn't been as much as I'd wanted to, but some of the refereeing, and that just really put me off. Uh, I'll go Burkino Faso, Burkino Faso to beat Gabon. I think Nigeria beat Tunisia. Senegal over Cape Verde. Mali over Equatorial Guinea. Guinea over Gambia. So that'll be a fun one. That will be a fun one. Uh, Cameroon over Comoros. Ivory Coast over Egypt, Morocco over Malawi. Then I think Nigeria beat Burkina Faso, Senegal beat Mali, Guinea beat Cameroon, Ivory Coast beat Morocco. Then I think we will have Senegal beating Nigeria in a semi-final, Ivory Coast beating Guinea in a semi-final, setting up a final between Senegal and Ivory Coast, and I would pick Ivory Coast to win that game. So I'm going Ivory Coast to win the AFCON, uh, and in the third and fourth place playoff, it would I would have, as things stand for me, um, I would have Guinea versus Nigeria. I think Nigeria beat Guinea in the third and fourth place playoff. That's my prediction. It will almost certainly be wrong. Uh, in terms of news... The Athletic have written a piece on Cristiano Ronaldo and some of the, you know, behind the scenes views and the split in the camp over the uh, the Portuguese attacker. It seems like, from what I read, that the um, that the coaches are just terrified of him and wouldn't say a bad word about him. But the players were more willing to speak out. Uh, Farhad Mashiri has increased his stake. In, in Everton with a 100 million capital injection. Hopefully that's more money to spend badly. Um, Thomas Partey has apologised for his red card last night. He has nothing to apologise for. He really doesn't. I don't know how Arteta has escaped any and all criticism for last night, but his management of that game was shambolic, to say the least. Uh, Newcastle are going to Saudi Arabia on a training trip, Eddie Howe says it's a football decision. Sure. We, we all believe you. You know that that gif of Jennifer Morrison where she just she's like sarcastically agreeing with somebody? That's what I want to send Eddie Howe from, from now until forever. Uh, we'll do the gossip and then we'll bring in Mr. Drinkle. We have Paris Saint-Germain in talks to sign Tanguy Endembele on loan. Now, there's been some talk that there's a want on both sides to do a deal, but potentially do some sort of player exchange deal. 
I think Spurs should be looking to get Abdou Diallo. I think Abdou Diallo as the left-footed, left-side centre-back in a back three is ideal for what they're trying to do. Sevilla still want to sign Manchester United and France forward Anthony Martial on loan, despite having a bid rejected, but could move for another French striker, Lyon's Moussa Dembele, as an alternative. I think I might prefer Dembele at this point. Uh, Newcastle have made an improved offer to sign Jesse Lingard on loan, allegedly offering £6 million to loan Lingard until the summer. United don't want to loan him, they want to sell him. Lingard is happy to leave United, but only wants to go to Newcastle on loan. I think I think he's not the player Newcastle need at all. But look, they don't seem to have much of a clue what they're doing. They're, they're literally just stumbling around in the dark, hoping that they grab a hold of something. Uh, Newcastle have made a £14.5 million bid for Mitchell Backer. That's probably a bit high, but he's he's a solid enough player. Uh, Real Madrid are very close to signing Kylian Mbappe. Yeah, I mean we've we've all been expecting this for a while. It also looks like Haaland will go there, which I've been saying for over a year. Tottenham have expressed an interest in Sevilla defender Diego Carlos. I think that's a really bad fit for them in a three. Now maybe they play him in the middle of the three, but Romero's sensational in the middle of a three. So I don't really I don't really get that one. I really don't get that one. He's also 28. I'd be looking to buy more in the kind of age bracket over Romero and build a long-term defense there. Uh Tottenham are considering a move for Frank Kessie. That one I can see. That one I think would be very, very beneficial for Spurs. Paul Pogba has not told Manchester United if he wants to stay at the club beyond the season his contract expires, which means he doesn't want to stay. If he hasn't told them anything, he doesn't want to stay. Uh, Saudi Arabian club Al-Halil Al-Halal want to sign Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang on loan and are prepared to pay all of his £350,000 a week wages and include an option to make a deal permanent. Um, I mean, yeah, if you're Arsenal, you jump at it, but I don't know if Aubameyang's going to want to do that. AC Milan, Juventus, Marseille, Paris Saint-Germain and Sevilla have all inquired about Aubameyang's Availability. That's like, I don't believe that all of them have inquired, but that's kind of why I don't see him going to Saudi Arabia. I think he'll have European offers. I think he'll prefer to, to stay in Europe. Uh, Lille have said they do not want to sell Sven Botman. You might not want to sell him. You're going to sell him eventually because that's what you do. Two teams, including one from Germany, are interested in signing Usman Dembele on loan. I can't think of a German club that would want him. I I can think of a few that would want him. I can't think of any that could afford his wages other than Bayern, who certainly don't need him because they've already got loads of great wingers. Um, Italian World Cup winning defender Fabio Cannavaro has been interviewed by Everton over their managerial role. Um, So he was managing in China with Guangzhou Evergrande. Now, Guangzhou Evergrande had won six, six league titles in a row before he took over. And he won one in four years. So I don't know that he's a particularly good manager. Uh, he would probably be an improvement over Michael Keane at centre-back, though, even at 48. 
Watford boss Claudio Ranieri has confirmed the club are working to sign 24-year-old Bordeaux and Nigeria winger Samuel Kalou for three million and are also interested in Nat Phillips. Please. Please buy him. Uh, Southampton want to sign Armando Broja on loan after he's impressed on this season-long loan spell, but they will have um, competition. Tottenham have joined the list of clubs interested in signing Hull's English winger Keane Lewis Potter. Tigers rejected an £8 million bid from Brentford in August, and Southampton, Leicester and West Ham are all interested. Don't know much about the player. But his name is popping up quite a bit. Uh, Liverpool and West Ham are interested in signing Fabio Carvalho. The 19-year-old has represented England at under-18 level, but was born in Portugal. Um, Leeds have had a £15 million bid rejected by Red Bull Salzburg for Brendan Aronson. That one was reported a couple of days ago, I think. Norwich boss Dean Smith may recall English striker Jordan Hugel from a loan spell at West Brom. Um, if he recalls him, he's just going to send him out somewhere else. Jordan Hugel isn't good enough to play in the Premier League. And that's that then. Right, Mr. Drinkle, join me, sir. How are you? I am good. How are you? I am tremendous. I am tremendous. Let's rattle through these games. We have 10 of them right now. As things stand, well, we with have fire there. 10 games. Playing with fire there. There will be one. There'll be one. There will be one. There will be one. Hopefully it's not tonight's one. Because, mm. you know, a bit short notice. Well, yes. Let, let's crack on. And tonight's probably is the most important in terms of the relegation, but it's certainly a six-pointer. Uh, Watford against Norwich. Um, Norwich obviously getting a Rafa sack last week with a win over, Ever- uh, win over Everton. And Watford, they didn't have a midweek game, did they, because it got called off. Was it the draw against Newcastle last week? I believe it was. Yeah, yep. yeah. Good, good draw against Newcastle last week, coming back to equalise late through Joe Pedro. That might give them a big confidence boost, but obviously, like you said, Norwich got the big win last weekend over Everton, and a win this weekend could put them outside the bottom three for the first time all season, which would be huge. Now, admittedly, Watford would have two games in hand on them, Newcastle have a game in hand, Burnley have 25 games in hand, but it would be big from a psychological point of view for Norwich to get out of the bottom three. Uh, Tim Krul is out. So that's a big one for Norwich. He got hurt in the Everton game. You could see it when it happened. Uh, he played on, but he is out and he could be out for a while. So that will mean Angus Gunn comes in and Norwich are going to need him to be at his best. They're going to need him to have rediscovered his confidence and his faith in himself. Uh, Matthias Norman, not back just yet. They're hopeful to have him back after the international break. Same thing for Andrew Omabamadeli, Billy Gilmore and Lucas Rupp. All out for this one. They're hopeful of having the four of them back on the other side of the international break. Uh, and like I say, Tim Krul definitely out. For Watford, Nkola was out. Itiba was out. Sar is out. Luza, Messina, Trusta Kong are all at AFCON. And Quadoba remains out with the fractured ankle so they're probably missing more starters more definite starters than Norwich are because only really Cruel and Norman are definite starters for Norwich whereas Nkulu, Itibo, 
Sar and Luza would all be starting and maybe even Truce to Kong, even though he's not very good. Watford are under under big pressure. And I, I think if Carlo doesn't win this game, no, Claudio, still calling him Carlo. If Claudio doesn't win this game, I don't know that he gets another game. I, I think this could well be the end of Ranieri if he doesn't win this game. It hasn't gone particularly well for Claudio since uh, joining Watford. And they're not a club who ever waits. They always, always make decisive decisions, oftentimes far too early. But they would rather gamble and be wrong than stick with a manager and be wrong. They'd rather make the change. 13 games in charge. He's only won two of them. Drawn one, lost 10. It's not good. It's not good. And if they did sack him, you'd find it hard to suggest it wasn't the right decision. Because with with him in charge, it's trending one way, and that's them going down. Um, but I think I think Norwich will win this game. Oh, sorry, Watford will win this game. I do think Watford will win this game at home with a very good home crowd. Emmanuel Dennis in great form this season. João Pedro really starting to look like a high end Premier League talent. I think they'll have a little bit too much for Norwich with their movement and their pace up front. I'm going to say 2-1 to Watford. That reminds me I need to change my FPL because I've still got Emmanuel Dennis as my captain. Although it might be an option. Um, But we'll move on to Saturday and we have the narrative game. We have Gerrard against Everton. We have Coutinho against Everton. We have Duncan Ferguson back in charge of a game, which is pure Barclays. Uh, what do you make of this? I mean, Everton, probably the messiest club in the league at the minute. You mm. mentioned uh, the owner uh, a few minutes ago as well. Uh, on paper, Villa should win this game. But a new manager bounce, maybe the players will start like trying and stuff. Because, well, we know Everton players do like to down, down too. Um, but mm. what, what do you make of this one? Yeah, this is an interesting one. If if Everton hadn't made the change, I think I'd be picking Villa for sure. Even though I don't think Gerrard's new manager bounce has gone as well as as hoped. Um, ten games, four wins, five defeats, and one draw. It's not great, and he seemed to use up a lot of his new manager bounce in the defeats against City and Liverpool. So this will be a bit of a slog, I think. Um, Duncan Ferguson taking over. He'll certainly get the players fired up. What, like the tactical approach, I think goes out the window. This will be a pure, you know, passion approach, a blood and thunder kind of thing. Uh, no Branthwaite, no Delph, no Awobi, no Davies, and no Alan for Everton. So only Alan really is a starter there. The rest are squad players. Villa. Esri Cons is a doubt. Marvels and Akamba is out. Leon Bailey is out. And then they've got Traore and Trezeguet away at AFCON. John McGinn back after his suspension. Big, big news for Villa today. They've announced that Emmy Martinez has signed a new five-year contract. I think Lovely. that's huge. I think that's massive for them. Because he would definitely have been looking at offers this summer because he has been really really good since going there big mistake last weekend aside he, he's been excellent 
since joining. If I, I still go back to it. If I'm Arsenal, I would much rather have Emmy Martinez than Aaron Ramsdale. Absolutely. It's not even close, mm. you know. Um, given the big dunk factor, I think we get a draw here. I think I think Everton come out firing. I think the the crowd really gets behind the team. I think Villa are the better team. I think they've got the better players, but maybe that that bit of extra drive and fire gets Everton a little bit of an advantage. I'll go. I'll go two two, and I think it'll be an entertaining game. Yeah, I mean, a couple well a week ago, you wouldn't even want to watch it really, but now just out of intrigue, really. That's exactly. It. You would not have watched this game if Rafa was still in charge, other than Rafa, you know, Gerard, tr- yeah, yeah, so or, or some sort of you know sadist fetish, but it would have been an opportunity for Gerard to get Rafa sacked for a second time, um, but that's gone now. So um, yeah, I don't, I, I, I will, I will watch yeah. it, but I, only I, Danny Murphy and Richard Keys will be watching that game. I think. Um, <laughs> Moving on next, uh, is this going to finish Wolves 1-0 or is it not going to finish Wolves 1-0? Yeah, Brentford versus Wolves reeks of Wolves 1-0, doesn't it? Mm. Really does really does have a strong waft of, of a 1-0 Wolves win. Uh, no De Silva, no Zanke, no Onyeka, no Rea, no Fosu, no Good, and no Janvier for Brentford. That's a lot of players out and at least... At least two of them are starters, um, Onyeka and Rea. Didn't think much of Lossel last weekend. Now, Wolves are not without their own injury issues. Uh, Willie Bolly is hurt. Mark Hall is hurt. Roman Sice is away at the AFCON. Huang is hurt. Johnny Otto, they're hopeful he's going to be back after the international break. That poor fella's been out for the better part of two years with two really bad injuries. Uh, Mosquera is hopefully back at the end of... February, and they're also hoping to have Petro, Pedro Neto back at the end of February, but not back for, for now. Wolves are the better team. I mean, Wolves are eighth in the league. They've got the second best defence in the league. They don't score a ton of goals, only 17 this season, but Brentford have looked ropey defensively in recent weeks. 36 goals conceded on the season it isn't great. I will say 1 0 Wolves. I I think one nil Wolves is the is the result here. Brentford are also just in bad form. Um, they've lost the last three in a row, but it it gets worse than that when you actually look at how their season has gone. They've lost five of six. They've lost ten of their last fifteen, which just isn't great. They had a good start, great first seven games. But ten of their last fifteen have ended in defeats. Only three wins. It's concerning. They're doing enough to stay up. That's the the positive of it. Even in this bad this bad run, they're still doing enough to stay up. Like they've taken eleven points from uh, these fifteen games, and that's what basically what Burnley have taken from seventeen games is eleven points. Um, mm. But you know, it's a better it's a better point per game ratio than Burnley. They could be behind Leeds this weekend, which isn't good considering Leeds were in a relegation battle two weeks ago. And considering Leeds haven't had a football mm-hmm. team for about two months now, yeah. um, that is concerning. Like, and if you know, if Everton were to win, they'd only be a point behind them, and if Watford won, they'd only be six points behind them. But 
I think Brentford will be okay. But yeah. this one, to me, Wolves are a top-half team and a deserving top-half team. I think they go in there and they get the win. I'll, I'll say 1-0. Yeah, and speaking of Leeds, they're our next game as well. Leeds-Newcastle, again, another huge game. Probably, obviously, more important for Newcastle now. With Leeds, with that little bit of leeway. Uh, well, most important thing, how, how are Leeds injuries looking? Do they have a team? <laughs> Uh, let's have a look then. So we've got no Liam Cooper, no Calvin Phillips, no Jamie Shackleton, no Adam Forshaw, no Junior Firpo, no Charlie Cresswell, no Patrick Bamford, and no Sam Greenwood. These are no, not then. good. That's a no. <laughs> uh, Loriente's back, Tyler Roberts is back, and Joe Gelhart, they're hoping, hoping to have back. That's That's a lot of injuries. A lot of injuries. It's going to be a patchwork team again, like it has been the last, well, the last two months. Uh, for Newcastle, no Hayden, no Wills, uh, Wilson, no Fernandez. Mankio is back. Dwight Gale, they're hoping he'll be back from COVID. Same with Jeff Hendrick. Matt Ritchie and Kieran Clark are doubts. So Newcastle will be closer to full strength. <sighs> Leeds should. Leeds with a full team win this game fairly comfortably. Leeds will still have the best player on the pitch in Rafinha. And we saw what he was able to do against mm -hmm. West Ham, who are a much better team than Newcastle. My concern in this game, from a Leeds point of view, is Chris Wood against Leeds central defenders, especially Lou mm -hmm. Galing, who'll be deputising at centre-back, you'd imagine. Although, with Loriente back, it may be Loriente and Struyek, which will work better. But if Ailing is a centre-back, I could see Chris Wood standing on him and just winning every header. Um, look, I'm going to back the best player. I'm going to back Rafinha. I'm going to say Leeds win the game 2-1. I think it'll be a little bit ugly, but I do think the, the transitional play of Leeds will hurt Newcastle. Newcastle are awful defensively. There's only 10 think... days left in the transfer window, and there's still nowhere... Well. Carlos is the only centre-back linked anymore. That's Very it. Uh, the, the Botman stuff is gone. The Badiashile stuff is gone. And it looks like Diego Carlos might be getting better offers from elsewhere. So we'll wait and see. We'll wait and see what they do. Uh, it, it, their transfer window thus far can only be deemed a failure. Not good, yeah. Can only be deemed a failure. So when do the Panicans um, spend 25 mil on a championship centre-back? I think it's common. I do. I think it's common. I think they're gonna. I think they're gonna get really nervy, and in the last couple of days, the transfer window, we're gonna see them do some stupid things. I really do think they're gonna do some stupid things. I think they're gonna lose this game. I, I think they're gonna lose this game two one. And um, welcome to Newcastle, Usman Dembele. <laughs> yeah, you you know something like that is is kind of what I'm expecting, or like Isco. Or something like that, you know, Isco on a short-term loan, or Aaron Ramsey, or something oh, ridiculous yes. that's just, you know, an attempt to to boost the fan base and is not going to help them on the pitch at all. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, last game before we go to a break, then Man United West Ham. How is this a three o'clock kickoff? Dearie me, um, yeah, West Ham obviously not the good result last weekend. They should still be favourites for this, surely? Yeah, I would have said so. I mean, last weekend's result was really bad for them. 
And it should have been worse. I mean, Leeds had a had a what should have been a perfectly good goal ruled out, and they hit the post, and they they tore West Ham apart with fairly shocking ease. Now it was Rafinha, and he's really special, but still, uh, no Mark Noble. Uh, it doesn't look like Kurt Zuma will be back just yet. Uh, Thomas Suchek, they're hopeful of having him back. He's had COVID. Uh, Ogbonna is done for the season and Ben Rama is away at AFCON. Um, for United, Pogba is back in training but not expected back for a few weeks. Aaron Wan-Bissaka is out. That's not really a loss in fairness. Jaden Sancho is out for personal reasons. He could be back. Uh, he was attending a funeral during the week, so that's why he, he wasn't available to play. Uh, Scott McTominay has a back issue, but they're hoping he'll be fine. Eric Bailly is away at the AFCON. Luke Shaw is injured, and Edinson Cavani is injured. United have not been good under Ranić. They've won some games, but the the level of performance has been awful. And if they're as bad in the first half on Saturday as they were against Brentford, West Ham will carve them apart. And I think Bowen and Fornals will have an absolute field day. I don't know how United plan to deal with Mikel Antonio. Mm. You'll remember that in the first game between the two sides, West Ham dominated the game and then got a, went behind 2-1, got a late oh, the, penalty yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and brought Mark Noble off the bench to take it in one of the most bonehead things you'll ever see. Um so West Ham will feel like they owe United. And West Ham will also be starting to feel a little bit of pressure at the top of the table. And, you know, they're sitting in fourth. But they're only one point ahead of Tottenham, who have three games in hand. They're two points ahead of Arsenal, who've got two games in hand. They're two points ahead of United, who have a game in hand. So United know that if they win this game, it could propel them into the top four depending on how results go for Arsenal and Tottenham this weekend. But it will put them ahead of West Ham if they win. United are at home, though. If this was at... Isn't, isn't Man United's away record still It is, actually. Better? You're right. United's home form is awful. Uh, let's, let's have a quick look at Manchester United's home form uh, matches. Okay. Right, this season at home, they beat Leeds, they beat Newcastle. Everybody beats Leeds and Newcastle. They lost to Villa, they drew with Everton, they got walloped by Liverpool, got embarrassed by City. And they lost to Wolves. They've beaten Burnley, Crystal Palace, Arsenal. So they've beaten five teams that you should beat at home. They'd, Leeds, be, they'd be ninth if it's just home games. You can change it on the Premier League website. That's crazy. Mm. That they'd is be, crazy. They'd be behind Leicester and Crystal Palace. Who've been awful. Well, no, like Leicester have been Leicester. awful. Crystal Palace have been good. Um, they did beat Villa at home in the Cup as well, but they lost to West Ham. West Ham have already won at this ground this season, remember. They beat them in the League Cup just after that mm. league meeting between the two sides. Um, I'm going to say... I'm going to bottle it and go for a draw. I'm going to say 2-2. I'm going to bottle it and go for the draw. I'll say a 2-2 draw. I, I actually think it'll be a good game. And like you, I don't understand how this 
is the 3 p.m. Like, how is this the 3 p.m. game when it's Everton Villa in the early kickoff and Southampton City in the late kickoff? This is a much bigger and more important game than either of those. Even Sunday, obviously it's good for me being a Liverpool fan, but Palace-Liverpool, it's not really... No, it's not It's not, not that. a marquee game. <laughs> um, like, you can understand Chelsea-Tottenham being the big game of the weekend and the, the 4.30 on Sunday, but th- this is the second biggest game of the weekend um, in terms of, you know, the the top four challenge. At least of the relegation games on, I suppose, Leeds and Newcastle. Oh, nobody wants to watch that. They don't, but it's important. Nobody wants to watch that. Like, it's bad enough we're getting Watford Norwich tonight. And I love Friday Night Football. Like, it's, I think it's brilliant. And this one could be a fun game, but, like, it could also be awful. So, this this United-West Ham game should have been on TV. Well, whilst we're on it, what do you make of Alanga? He's obviously kind of made the left-wing spot his own. Mm. Maybe just by being left-footed, but he certainly took his chance. He has. He's, he he does seem to be establishing himself. He does seem to be a player that Ranić trusts. Um, he's only 19, so credit to him for you know gaining the trust of, of the manager. There's clearly a lot of talent there. He's been at United a long time as well. He came over in 2014 from Malmo. I assume Ole Gunnar Solskjaer had some sort of input in that. But yeah, I mean, there's no doubting the, the kid is is very talented. Uh, he works really hard. He's got great pace. He seems to have a lot of confidence in himself. Um, it's a bit odd, like with with Ranić, in that like Ahmad Diallo, who they spent thirty five million yeah. on, he's is he still not know, gone on loan? He hasn't gone on loan yet. Right. They were hoping, I think, to loan him out. It's Feyenoord then Birmingham, wasn't it? Something like that. Yes, Feyenoord, and then he got hurt in the summer, and then Birmingham. I'm not really sure what happened, but that loan seemed to fizzle out as well. They've got, don't they have two off? You know, Chong is Chong on loan or permanent? Chong is on loan. And that then might the be young centre back as well. Yeah. Oh, um, Tengi. 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 Yeah. They might have to send one of them back to loan a third. Maybe that's what it is. Mm. Birmingham's a weird place for United to be sending players. Is there some sort of link between the two clubs recently? Is there? Lit. Other than them, I know they were screwed for years. I had no idea who's even manager of Birmingham nowadays. Lee Bowyer is manager. Like oh. he has no connections to United, so that's a bit of an odd. Might one. be an executive or something. Possibly, it must be something. There has to be somebody there that's got a connection. But Ahmad Diallo is, is so talented. He should have been in the um, Ivory Coast squad for the the Afcon, um, but. They picked Kareem Kanate instead of him. Um, either way, with Alanga, I, I I do like him. I, I think there's definitely there's definitely a player there, and you know for for Sweden it must be exciting to have him along with Isak and Kulusevski mm. as a potential long term front three. But um, I'm not. It's weird. I'm not sure what to Sancho, make of it. Though. Yes, apparently Sancho's people are very unhappy with Ranić and unhappy that he keeps talking about Sancho um, in less than flattering ways in public, which, look, he hasn't performed this season, but you've invested an awful lot of money in him. The club have to get the best out of him because the last time they went big on a player who'd left England as a youngster and brought back to Old Trafford was Pogba, and it worked out as a disaster. So... They've got to really get Sancho. They have to nail this Sancho thing. I, I, 
to give the man credit, Mark Goldbridge is a really smart fella in that he knows what sells. Okay, he knows how to attract viewers to his content, and it's always easier if you if you're a a podcaster or a writer or you're a content creator like them on YouTube. It's always easier when your team is a big club who's doing badly because tantrums create views. And we, we've seen a lot of these. You see it on Arsenal fan TV. You know, the, the those two lads who, who I won't name, um, they know nothing about football, but they have these big explosive tantrums. And it's not just Arsenal fans that watch it. It's fans of other clubs. It's the same with United, and it's not just Goldbridge that's done this. You remember like the Andy Tate guy mm. and how much traction that got for a few months? But that was largely fans of other clubs watching to have a laugh. And Goldbridge has really tapped into that. And Goldbridge knows that when he has a meltdown, Liverpool and City and Chelsea and Arsenal fans are all laughing at that. But they're laughing at it while watching it. And as long as they're watching it, they're making him money. So Goldbridge is a really smart guy. I don't know how much he knows about football. I think he knows more than the Arsenal boys. Um, but I've, I've never really watched much of his content. Oh, you should. It's fantastic. It's brilliant. But I saw him say something really good last night, which was, you look at Liverpool and you look at the players that Klopp has brought in and improved, you know, and he named, I think, Jota and Mane and Salah and Van Dijk and Fabinho. He took them in as good players, made them world-class. I would argue Van Dijk was already world-class, but that's neither here nor there. You could also add, like, Andy Robertson and, and others to that list of players that Klopp took in. Joel Matip. Trent is you know. comparable to the United lot, because I, I did see the clip as well, because obviously he came through the academy and Rashford and Greenwood have all basically the same player when they were eight, uh, 17, aren't they? That's exact, That's exactly what he said. He mm-hmm. said Rashford's the same player now as he was when he was 21. Green was the same player as he was when he was 17. Our players don't develop. We buy good players. We just don't develop them. He said Maguire and Wan-Bissaka have gone backwards since joining the club, which is true. They have. They're not They're not as good now as they were mm-hmm. um, when, when they bought them. On the, on the topic of Harry Maguire... Uh, I normally, you know, do that every so often. I do the the old terrible uh, football takes. Um, where is this? I saw a magnificent. Yes. So this is from L. Seths. Stick Maguire on the market for fifty million <laughs> tomorrow, and Spurs, Chelsea, Liverpool, and City all make bids. It's that simple. So first of all. Sticking on the market for fifty million will be a, a thirty million pound loss in three years, which would you know confirm the fact that he's been a failure. Secondly, Liverpool wouldn't touch him. They've got, I think, four centre backs better than them. City have three centre backs better than them. They're not touching him. If Chelsea or Spurs are spending fifty million on a centre back, they're not buying Harry Maguire. Because he's very, like, even at 50 million, I still think that's overvalued for what he is. I said when they signed him, they paid 80 million for a 40 million centre back. I Mm -hmm. think Harry Maguire now is about a 30 million centre back. And it's not his fault. Like, he's been miscast as the captain of Manchester United. That guy's not a leader. 
he's just not a leader. There's no. It's not his fault that United paid that much money for him. It's not his fault that they basically held him up as their version of Van Dyke, and that their fans just took the assumption that well, we paid Van Dyke money, we're getting a Van Dyke. It's not his fault that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer put the captain's armband on him. Now it is his fault that he's played dreadfully for most of his time at United. And regardless of some of their fans trying to claim, oh, he's been solid. Like, no, he hasn't. I know what a solid centre-back looks like. It doesn't look like Harry Maguire. He's been worse than Chris Smalling was. He has. I would rather have Chris Smalling mm. back. Um, but this is the thing with United. These players go there and they regress. Sancho has regressed already. Ahmed Diallo was one of the biggest talents in Europe. We've barely heard his name since he joined United. Bruno is still the same player he was when they joined him, in part because, and I, I'm glad Ranić finally realised this, they've been playing him as a number 10. And I've been saying on this podcast and others, since he was at Sporting, he's not a 10, he's an 8. Sporting played him as an 8. And when United signed him, I said, Stick him and Fred either side of a really good holding midfielder. And that's your midfield. Now, you can upgrade on Fred down the line. That's fine. But Fred is that sort of in-between shuttler who does a bit of everything. Is a good role for him. And the right-sided eight role is the perfect role for Bruno. And he's more involved in the build-up play. He's got great work rate. He can carry the ball more from that role as well. And the game is in front of him. When he plays a 10, too much of the game happens behind him. It, now, it, the fact that he was managed for almost two years by a PE teacher obviously didn't help. Ranić has finally realised, hang on a second, maybe we're not using this guy properly, and is now using him properly. But it, it's mind-blowing to me that it's taken this long for them to figure that out. And that type of thing, like buying a player and not knowing where best to use him and thinking, well, he's scoring and assisting a tonne, means you're getting the most out of him. Bruno has much more to offer than what we've seen at United. Much more to offer. He was, at Sporting, he was incredible in the all-round game. And that's why I wanted him at Liverpool. Because Liverpool don't play with a 10, they play with two eights. And I knew he would be ideal on the right side of Liverpool's three-man midfield as the right side at eight. Especially but, how you see how attacking <clears throat> Jordan Henderson's played this season, how we exactly. started with Elliot. <clears throat> exactly. Henderson's largely playing like as a 10, but he's got, you know, the ability to drop back into midfield. Now, when I say ability, I mean in the tactical system rather than technical ability. Imagine Bruno getting all of the ball that Henderson gets. He'd, he'd light the league on fire on that Liverpool team. Um, anyway, we'll, we'll take the break. I will say 2-2 in that Man United-West Ham game. Don't feel good about it. I fancy West Ham but I'm just going to bottle it and go 2-2. We'll be back after this short break. Right, welcome back. So, uh, we're down five games. We've got five more to go. So, we have the late kickoff on Saturday, Guy? Yep, which is Southampton Man City, which... Was that a draw or did Southampton win? I can't remember what the last result was. I think so. I remember they dropped points. I can't remember what it was. City. Was it a draw? I think it was a draw. It feels like it was a draw. A nil-nil draw. 
or a one-one draw. Yeah. Um, nil-nil. Yeah, nil-nil back in September at the Etihad. Beautiful. Um, City were in a little bit of a funk at the time, yeah. but obviously they're rolling now. What have we? Twelve Premier League wins in a row for City, looking very dominant. Eleven points clear at the top. Uh, Liverpool do have a game in hand, admittedly, but City just look. They look at a class above everybody else in the league. Uh, Saints lost time out, lost last time out, but they have won two of the last five and drawn two. So a bit better form from what we'd seen previously. They have been playing a back three recently, and I wonder if Ranić will stick with that. Uh, will Smallbone is out. Alex McCarthy is out. Livermento is out. Gineppo's away at AFCON. Walcott and El Yanassi had COVID. They're hopeful to have those two back. I'll be interested to see if he sticks with the back three because it has been working quite well. Now, mm-hmm. obviously, they lost last time out and that was disappointing for them. But at the same time, they've put forward some good results, um, especially that, that Brentford game. I thought they played really, really well and got a very well-deserved victory. They gave Spurs a good game um, in the in the one-one. So I'm hopeful that he sticks with it because it seems to be working for them, and it might cause City some different problems. But you're going to have to expect City to win. Now we've got Mares at Afcon. His team are out, yeah. but he won't be back in time. Uh, Aki is a doubt. Liam Delap is out. Cole Palmer's out, and Zinchenko's out. Um. It's hard to see anything other than the City win. If, if we're being honest here, it's hard to see anything other than the City win. So I'm going to say City win this game 2-1. I'll, I'll, I'll say 2-1. I think it'll be a tough enough game. I do think Saints, with their aggression and their pressing, can cause City some issues. But I'll say City win 2-1. Yeah, they're, they're the favourites for every game they play, really. Uh, moving on to Sunday... Uh... Well, finally, we get to talk about a Burnley game, which we've all been missing in our lives. Arsenal against Burnley. Um, these are the games Arsenal have won, but whether fake or not, they certainly looked unfit yesterday. But Burnley, well, they'll have to be rusty, surely. It feels like months month since they've played a game. It must be, what, the FA Cup game, maybe, the last time they played? Yeah, Burnley haven't played a whole bunch of late. Let's have a quick gander and see. The last league match Burnley played was the 2nd of January. Oh, dear. Um, they've only played two league matches since the 12th of December. And they lost both of them 3-1. Um, they lost the FA Cup game to Huddersfield. Mm. So not not great for Burnley. Really not great at all for them going into this game. Travelling to London as well. So you have Arsenal with, with the home advantage, you'll have to give them an edge there. Now, Jacques is suspended, Partey is suspended, Elneny and Pepe at AFCON, uh, Aubameyang, Ill, never probably going to play for them again. Soares injured, Chambers injured, Burnt Leno injured. The midfield is an issue, but you could see them rolling out the same team to start against Liverpool last Odegaard night. Odegaard was good last night. Odegaard, I thought he was really good. Mm. Some of the switches of play were sensational. Now, Burnley, uh, Ashley Barnes is out. 
Max Cornet is away at the AFCON and Conor Roberts isn't quite ready yet. But they're hopeful of having Goodmanson, Collins, McNeil, Peters, Vidra and Taylor back. Um, Albar Taylor had COVID. So they're hoping to have, you know, close enough to a full strength team. Um, it's I can't pick against Arsenal. I can't pick. Mm-hmm. Arsenal beat the bottom six. It's what they do. Um, so I think Arsenal will win this game. I'll go 3-1. I think Martinelli and Saka... Saka looked knackered last night. Did, but I, I still think Arsenal just have too much for them. I'll go 3-1 Arsenal. Yeah, I'd, I'd certainly make Arsenal favourites there. Uh, moving on to the televised game, as we mentioned earlier, Palace against Liverpool. Um, Yeah, Liverpool... I mean, suppose the question is, what do they do up front? Obviously, Gordon played all right. Well, quiet, but looked the part. Or certainly gives more balance than, say, Minamino playing there, because he is actually a right winger. That's probably what I'd say more, more so than anything. And Palace, obviously missing a few lads at AFCON themselves. What's their form? A draw lost wins, so, well, doing the palace thing. It doesn't matter mm. who the manager is. They do a what they do a win, they do a loss, they do a draw. Um a tough game a probably a tougher game for Liverpool than probably say last night, which is strange to say, I'd say. Yeah, I think so. I think so. I think Palace gave Liverpool a tough enough game at Anfield, even though it ended 3-0. That didn't really uh, reflect the, the actual game. Palace missed a couple of big chances in that game. Um Liverpool without Divock Origi, without Thiago Alcantara, without Nat Phillips, without Harvey Elliott, without Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain, likely without Joel Matip. Um, Fabinho took a knock last night oh, no. from the from the red the, oh, the red card no. challenge, but we'll hopeful we'll, we'll be hopeful that he'll be fine. If he's not uh, playing, we're not winning. Yeah, that's that's my concern. That is my big concern, is that Fab misses this game. If he doesn't Henderson, play... Henderson, Milner and Curtis Jones midfield. Yeah, it's just not, it's just not going to get the watching. job done. <laughs> um, Salamane and Naby all at AFCON. So, a lot of players out and a lot of doubts for Liverpool. Palace, no James MacArthur. Uh, Jordan Ayew should be back after Ghana got dumped oh, yeah, out of the AFCON. Too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Koyate and Zaha still away at AFCON and James Tompkins out. Liverpool are in better form. They won last weekend. They won in midweek. They seem to have found a little bit of balance with that Henderson-Fabinho-Jones midfield. Could do with Henderson putting in a good performance. Um, there's, there's a couple of question marks. Kanate comes in for Matip, that's fine. But that right wing spot is is of concern. Gordon played well last night, I thought, but he is 17. Minamino is a better player than him now, but doesn't fit as well mm-hmm. in the in the system. Um I'm just sorry, I've just gotten distracted by something. A report found that ex-Newcastle defender Charles Chancel Mbemba had four different birthdays recorded. Beautiful. On record, he was born in 1990, but also claims to have undergone bone tests to prove he was actually born in 1994. And Porto have re- have released him. 
or they're, they're looking to release him from his contract on the belief that he could be 31, potentially 33, but not the 27 years of age he claims to be. That would be a bit mental. I think that the most shocking thing there is Chancel on Bemba's 27. He, he's been around for donkeys. Newcastle years. bought him in 2015. Oh, dear. Um, that would be a bit mad if that's mm. if that happens. That really would be a bit it's mad. Something like half anyway. in the bundle. Sorry, we, we won't get distracted. I know you, you've got a... I've got a bounce, yeah. so we'll we'll just keep yeah. going. Um, Prediction for Liverpool, uh, Palace Liverpool. I'll, I'll say Liverpool win. I'll go 2-1. I think Liverpool should have a bit a bit too much for them. Mm-hmm. Jota looked so good last did, night yeah. that I, I keep, think keep we'll, him on uh, the left. Don't put him on the right. <laughs> exactly, exactly, yeah, exactly. Le- left side or central, not through the right, or not 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 on the right, mm-hmm. and uh, and he'll score goals. So I'll go two one Liverpool, but I do think it'll be a tough game. I think Palace will give them a real match in midfield, yeah. um, but you know Liverpool should have too much quality. Hopefully for being your place. But anyway, Leicester Brighton. Uh, I think I'm sure I heard on a podcast earlier today that Brighton's record at the King Power is not very good. But either are Leicester. <laughs> um, yeah, they can't defend. But Brighton don't do goals. What do you make of this one? Yeah, Brighton don't do goals. Brighton have scored 22 goals in 21 games. They've only conceded 22 goals in 21 games as well. Leicester can score goals but can't stop goals. Leicester are not in good form. Brighton are unbeaten in five. It, it smells of a draw to me. Uh, Brighton, no Samiento, no Mwepu, no Duffy, no Lalana, no Dunk. Oh, no, they're hoping that Lewis Dunk will be back. That no, would be a huge, Webster huge boost. That must be one of the um, better defences outside the... Top, well, even, the top even in the top lot, probably. And even without without Dunk and without Webster, they've been really good mm. defensively. Graham Potter's just a very good manager, very, very good coach. Uh, Basuma is at AFCON. Jason Steele is injured. He's the third keeper. It wouldn't make a difference. Leicester, no Johnny Evans, no Tim Castanier, no Vardy, no Ricardo Pereira. No, oh, Amarty could be back because Ghana are out of the AFCON. I'll fix it. Um, <laughs> Ianacho, Mendy, and and Didi all still away. Um, Fafana, they're hoping to have him back at some point next month. And Bertrand Traore, sorry, Bertrand Traore, Ryan Bertrand Trotter, they're hoping to have him back soon enough, but they've been waiting on him. They thought he'd be back at the start of January and something mm. got delayed. So a lot of players out for Leicester, but it's Brighton and their inability to score goals. I'll go 1-1. One, one. I'll go a 1-1 one, one draw. Mm-hmm. It should be fun either way, even though it's not on I think tele- it'll be a good game. Yeah. It'll be a good game of football. Now, speaking of another draw, because that's all Chelsea do anymore, is Chelsea against Spurs. Spurs obviously had the mad game midweek, and Chelsea drew with Brighton. I mean, let's start with Spurs, because they're probably more interesting. I mean, do you just give Bergvan the run? Do you start more of Bergvan and Kane? Because I'm guessing Son's still injured. I know. I think he'll go three in midfield because I think he'll want that extra man advantage. Mm. It's very hard to live with Kante and Kovacic or Kante and Jorginho in a two. But with a three, you can kind of swamp them a little bit and you can move the ball around them. 
So I think he'll go with the three in midfield again. Maybe he Winks went with, with the other two. Winks. Yeah. yeah, Winks, Skip and Heusberg. I think he'll do that. I think he'll play Bergvine up front with Kane and reward him for his performance in midweek. Well, and I, have I'm more assuming he got took off at half-time. So maybe, well, right wing-back maybe too soon, but maybe Doherty at right wing-back over Emerson. Yeah, I think, he'll, I think he might start Doherty, to be honest. Mm-hmm. But he could try Bergvine there because, I mean, it's Marcus Alonso at left wing back for Chelsea, who doesn't really have the pace to cope with someone like Steven Bergvine. Mm-hmm. Um, Spurs don't have Son, don't have Dyer, don't have Romero, but they're hoping to have all of them back after the international break, which would be massive for them. Spurs obviously are in really good form under Antonio Conte and have worked their way into fifth in the table, um, ahead of Arsenal, just behind West Ham with all those games in hand. So, they're in a really good spot. Chelsea have only won four of their last 13 league matches, which isn't good. Um, they're not as hard to beat in terms of you know creating chances and, and scoring goals anymore. Uh, and they're struggling for goals themselves. Now, they're without Reese James, Chalaba, Christensen and Chilwell. And Mendy's away at AFCON. So that's... Mendy's a starter... Christensen's a starter, Chilwell's a starter, James is a starter, and Chalaba has played quite a bit this season, uh, nominally instead of Christensen whenever Christensen is out. So we might see Spurs go, or sorry, Chelsea go with the back four again, which mm. doesn't work for them because Silva and Rudiger aren't good enough in a two. Kane um, looked almost bothered in midweek as well. Kane, yeah, Kane is starting to round into a bit of form again, which should be a concern for the rest of the league. If you're going for a fourth place spot and Spurs are all of a sudden going to get a goal machine back in action, uh, he's got five goals in the league now. You wouldn't put it past them to end up with, you know, with 18 in the league. They've still got Spurs still have half a season to play. Like 13 goals in 19 games from Harry Kane wouldn't be a surprise across the second half of the season. Um, you know that Son is going to come back and get goals as well when he's back, and, he, and he'll help Kane. So, yeah, I, I I fancy Spurs in this one. But again, it's Chelsea. They're at home. They're still a really good team. They've only lost three times this season. They do love a draw, and I think this one's a draw. I'll say 2-2. I think this one ends in a draw, which will be a better point for Tottenham than it will be for Chelsea. Mm-hmm. But I'll say a 2-2 draw. And that's the last uh, game. And that is it. That is us done and dusted for the week. Enjoy your weekends, folks. Take care of yourselves. Hopefully your team wins, unless they're playing against my team, in which I hope they lose. But, you know, such is life. We'll see you Monday. Take care of yourselves. Bye-bye. Podcast Network.